My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He's cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of your life, what will you recall? Kind of a loaded question, isn't it? It's also an unfair one, too. Here it is in the middle of August. Most people are just upset with the thoughts of the end of summer. The last thing we want to think about is the end of our lives. But I digress. A few years ago, NBC, NBC's Today Show had posted on their website an interview with a doctor who works in hospice care, which is the specialty care for, for patients who are dealing with terminal illnesses or diseases. And the doctor shared her thoughts in an attempt to guide people on how to avoid regret with the title of the segment what a doctor wishes people knew about living and dying well probably most of us can imagine what was going to be said the need to cherish every day as a gift the reality that tomorrow is not a guarantee the observation that many people who knew their end was coming were upset that they worked so hard that they didn't stay in touch with friends or didn't choose to live a happier life Dr. Miller observed, there's usually regret about having been unkind and selfish. It's a shame around having been, ever been a jerk to anybody, including to oneself. And the interview contained a lot of those types of reflections, which you'd expect from someone whose, whose daily work is working with people confronting their ends. How many people whose life was diminished because some sort of lack of forgiveness or anger? How much time was wasted on fear and worry? 
while it probably wasn't the intention, it was kind of a depressing segment, thinking about how many people came to their ends with that sense of heaviness and looking back with regret. But that shouldn't cause us to dismiss the importance of that question, though. It's a good thing for us to reflect on. At the end of our life, what will we recall? And today's solemnity gives us a very different perspective to consider. With the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we mark the end of her earthly life. From the earliest days of the church, we believe that at the end of her life, Mary's body and soul were assumed into heaven. Now, while the scriptures are kind of silent on it, tradition from which scriptures come from, by the way, isn't. And from the very earliest centuries, when those who were closest to Jesus were killed, the apostles and the first martyrs of the church, there was almost this jealous possession of those burial sites and those remains. It was one way that people felt this connection to the, the heroes of our faith. That's why in Rome, you'll find this very massive building called St. Peter's. It's over the burial site, over the bones of St. Peter. So from as early as the 4th century, once Christianity had become legalized in the Roman Empire, there was this greater desire for the church to trace and account for all of those holy sites. And it was expressed to, to one of the emperors who was very desperate to look for it that there was no grave or relics for the Blessed Mother because her body and soul had been taken into heaven. One account tells how Mary died or she fell asleep, and they call that the Dormition of Mary, and she was placed in the tomb, but that when St. Thomas went the next day to visit, the tomb was empty, and that there were just lilies and roses left where her body was. There's a whole lot more that could be said about the origins of this belief of the Assumption, but it's important for us to, to say, stay centered on the Blessed Mother and to consider that at the end of her life, what was it that she was recalling? And that was something that was coming to mind just looking at the scripture passage that we just heard. With no scriptural account to the end of her life, we hear one of the most important moments from at least 50 years earlier in Mary's life. The gospel is the story of the visitation when the Blessed Virgin Mary, after having had the angel Gabriel announce to her this joyful news, she was going to be the, the mother of Jesus, and she accepts that vocation, that divine call. She goes to her, her older cousin Elizabeth, who's experienced her own heavenly intervention. She of advanced age, was, who was said to have been barren, who it was not possible that she and her husband, Zechariah, would ever have a child that they had hoped for and dreamed of. She was now pregnant with St. John the Baptist. And in the account of these two women coming together, Mary utters this poetic and this sacred response, which is called the Magnificat, which is Latin for the first line, my soul magnifies the Lord. But the thing about that whole passage, though, did you ever think about where it came from? St. Luke wasn't there writing this down when this happened. There was no eyewitness reports of their were being used that the story were coming to light. The only people mentioned here are Mary and Elizabeth, which means that for it to have been here, Mary herself must have recalled and shared that story with St. Luke in the early Christian community. And the thing that stands out to me is that the Magnificat is a hymn that priests and religious and people pray the liturgy of the hours every day. We have this passage committed to our memories. And the reason we have this sacred hymn recorded is because Mary must have memorized it as well. It had to have been committed to her heart. It was something that animated her entire life. 
So at the birth of Jesus, when there was no room for them at the end, it was okay because she still knew that God had favor on his lowly servant. When the wise men came to visit the Holy Family, that first epiphany, she witnessed the mighty being cast down from their thrones and lifting up the lowly. When her son Jesus is lost in the temple, she remembered the Almighty had done great things for her. As Jesus is betrayed and suffers the humiliation and the torture of his passion and his crucifixion, things that pierced her heart, She knew God would come to the help, remembering his promise of mercy that was made to our fathers Abraham and his children forever. So no, this gospel isn't picked as filler for another Marian feast day with limited scriptural passages for us to utilize. The Magnificat Mary's song, while uttered historically at this moment of meeting between these two women, was probably a tune that she knew before that moment which is what prepared her to, to being open and receptive to God's invitation in her life. It was a song that she continued to voice in every moment of her life through moments of joy and sorrow and moments of uncertainty and confusion. And she kept that refrain going where her soul proclaimed the greatness of the Lord. Her spirit rejoiced in God, her Savior, throughout her whole life. So in that, Mary has no regrets. She's got no fears. At the end of her life, she recalled the only thing that matters and that the Almighty continued to do great things for her. We among the generations who call Mary blessed, who Jesus gave us as our mother, we look to her as our model and our guide. May we follow her example and never ceasing to give praise to the greatness of God, rejoicing in him who in her son Jesus has saved us who looks to us to do great things with and in and through each one of us.